Hey friends, welcome back to another Seed Talk with Lisa and Lane. Hey Lane. Hello. Well, folks, today we have a good one for you and we'll jump into that. And if you want to learn more about the Gardener's Workshop and the work we're doing, you can drop in over at thegardenersworkshop.com. Take it away, Lane. All right. So today we are going to be talking about a topic that I hope is on everyone's mind. So we are fast approaching fall and it's actually time for everyone to be thinking about their cool flowers that they're going to be fall planting. And maybe you live in the Southern Hemisphere and you're fast approaching spring. Well, the tips we're going to be sharing today should be useful to you, regardless of which time of year you're actually starting your cool flowers. Yes. But we're going to be mostly focusing on fall. So this is just going to be a checklist of the things that should be on your mind, getting ready to start these cool season hardy annuals for fall planting. Yeah. So we'll briefly run through what to plant and when, and then we'll go over some tips and tricks to help improve germination and adjust your growing conditions to accommodate these cool flower seeds and seedlings. Awesome. And just to clarify for anyone that's new to the cool flowers concept, when we're talking about fall planting cool flowers, these are plants that are actually going to overwinter and then bloom the following year, most of them in the spring. Right, exactly. Okay, Lisa, so can we just start by describing what is a cool flower? What are we talking about when we say cool flowers? Sure. So Cool Flowers is the name of the book that I wrote about the family of plants that are cool season hardy annuals. And they are actually annuals that thrive in cool to cold conditions. And they kind of have a finicky plant in time. So a lot of us, just like I did until I got to understand what they preferred, just kind of think, oh, I can't grow them. They don't grow very well where I am. But in fact, it's all about timing when we find out find their little sweet spots of time to plant in our garden, they thrive in cool to cold conditions. So everyone can plant cool flowers in very early spring, which means getting your transplants in the ground six to eight weeks before your last expected spring frost, regardless of whether or not the plants are winter hardy in your zone. But that's not the case for fall planting. Exactly. Okay, so the first thing on our checklist is to determine what you can in fact plant in the fall. And how is that determined, Lisa? So basically that is based on what is your winter hardiness zone and then what is the winter hardiness survival zone of the plant that you want to plant? Yes. And your USD winter hardiness zone is something you can look up online. I'll put a link in the show notes as well. And the hardiness of the cool flowers Lisa and I are always talking about can be found on each seeds product page on the Gardener's Workshop website. Or if you have the cool flowers book, that information is also in there. Yep. And just to give a hardiness zone example, for me, I'm located in zone 7B, so I can fall plant any cool flowers that are winter hardy to zone 7 or colder. So anything hardy to zone 7, 6, 5, 4. Yes. If you're located in zone 5A, you'd be able to fall plant anything that's hardy to zone 5 or colder. So 5 or 4, for example. And if you live in zone 8, you can actually fall plant any of the cool flowers listed in the cool flowers book, right? Yep, exactly. And, and it's, it's really hard sometimes to wrap your head around that, but that is the key to knowing when to plant what. Yes. And if you live somewhere outside the U.S. and you still want to be able to reference the USDA hardiness zones that 
we have on the Gardener's Workshop website or in Lisa's Cool Flowers book. Again, I will put a link to the USDA hardiness zone map and that actually has temperature conversions on it. So you can find your equivalent USDA hardiness zone. Yes. And there are a lot of benefits to fall planting. If there is a cool flower that's winter hardy in your zone, you're typically going to see earlier blooms, longer stems. The plants can even be more prolific and they're often more resistant to pests and diseases. So it really is beneficial to plant in the fall if something is hardy in your zone. Right. And it's especially beneficial if you live somewhere like we do in southeastern Virginia, where the cool spring-like weather tends to be very short-lived and the heat and humidity seem to set in fairly quickly. Right. Okay, next is determine when to plant. So let's just talk about planting dates. When do you want to be direct seeding in the fall and when do you want to be planting transplants in the fall? Sure. So when you direct seed, um, the first thing to remember is you have less wiggle room than you do with transplants. Um, the, the optimal timeline is six to eight weeks before your first historical fall frost. So that means six to eight weeks. Mine is mid-November. So that would mean mid-September to the first of October is the optimal time. And um, that's what we pretty much need to focus on for direct seeding. Now, it's the same timeline for transplants, that's six to eight weeks before your first frost. However, because a transplant has already gone through the sprouting stage indoors, you don't, you can kind of push that six to eight weeks a little further along. You can plant later is what I'm saying. Um, they just need to have enough warmth to get their roots to kind of establish. Right. So if it's a seed that prefers to be directly sown in the garden, you'll be doing that six to eight weeks before your first expected fall frost based on historical averages. If it's a transplant, a seed that prefers to be started indoors, you'll be getting that transplant in the ground six to eight weeks before your first expected fall frost, or you could push that closer to your frost date. If you're just starting out though, it's usually good to stick with that six yeah. to eight week yes. mark. Yes. And just like your hardiness zone, your first expected fall frost date is something you can look up online. It's based on historical averages, and there are various websites you can reference to find your first expected fall frost date. Yep. Okay. So to get transplants in the ground six to eight weeks before your first expected fall frost, you also need to know when to start those seeds to get them to a transplant size by that date. And we have an entire episode where we went through and calculated with a calendar and using actual dates mm. to show you when to start your seeds when you're starting transplants. But do you want to just briefly touch on this, Lisa? Sure. So, I mean, it's literally sitting down with a calendar. When, did, when is my frost? When am I supposed to plant? How long does it take me to get a transplantable size plant? And then count back. I mean, it's literally sitting down with a calendar. Right. So if you want to plant some transplants out six weeks before your first expected frost, and it takes four weeks to get those to a transplant size, you'd actually be sowing those seeds indoors 10 weeks before your first expected fall frost. And like I said, check out episode 25, <clears throat> because we went really in detail about how to calculate your seed sowing date. Yes. Okay, now we're going to talk about determining how much seed to start. And this is another one that's going to depend on the method you're using to start those seeds. So if you're direct sowing a seed, Lisa, how much seed do you start relative to the number of plants you hope to end up with? 
probably it's easy to say, I would say three times as much. So I try to drop a seed or two every couple of inches, um, assuming that the spacing is six inches apart. So that means it would have been two seeds, but you're actually going to be putting two to three seeds every two inches. And that allows you to have a higher rate of success. And yes, you will thin ultimately. Yes. And the conditions when starting outdoors versus indoors, they're not these ideal optimized conditions. And you're contending with things like wind could blow some of the seeds away. Rain could wash some of the seeds away. An insect or a bird could eat them. And it's also more difficult to maintain consistent moisture levels compared to indoors. There's just a lot of stuff that can happen when you're sowing seeds outdoors. So you always need to sow a lot extra so that you hopefully have a nice thick stand of plants that you could come back and then just thin out the excess. Exactly. It's it. Don't you think it's less painful to thin than it is to not have any plants that germinated? Oh, yes. Yes, definitely. Okay. And then if you're starting seeds indoors, how much seed do you start relative to the number of plants you want to end up with? So I normally try to, we start with a focus on starting twice as many plants as we ultimately need out in the garden. But that can vary depending on the cost of a seed. If it's a high dollar seed, which usually means, A, that it has stronger germination, we don't go that high. We only do like 20%. But we want to plant only the best transplants. And we like having transplants to select from instead of thinking I'm planting every single plant. And then we just compost any leftovers. Yes. And also something you'll get used to as you start more different types of seeds. There might be some seeds that you just know you tend to consistently get really good germination on, and maybe you don't feel the need to start quite as many extra of that. And then maybe there are some seeds that you tend to struggle with in your growing environment, and you might want to start double or even more the number of seeds than you actually Mm -hmm. need. Yep. And also, Lisa, we've talked before about how sometimes it's just a matter of space of what's actually on your tray. So like for me, if I'm using the three quarter inch soil blocker and that makes 20 small blocks. And even if I need 12 plants or just 10 plants, I might just go ahead and fill that block up because that's the easiest thing to do. And you do something similar to that too. I do. I try to fill complete clusters of blocks or a tray on for larger volume. Yep. Right. But the bottom line is always start more than you need so that you end up with at least the number of plants that you're hoping to get. Yes. And the other thing is to make sure that that seed that you're actually using is still viable. If it's really old seed and you just want to take the chance and try sowing it, that's fine. You can do that as a home gardener like myself. I will do that a lot of times just because it's okay if maybe something doesn't turn out. If you're a farmer and you're really counting on having a particular seed, You might want to make sure in advance that that seed is still viable. You could do a germination test and that can tell you if you need to order more seed right away in case you have your heart set on a particular flower or you're relying on having that if you're a farmer. Okay. And then for cool flower seeds, an extra little step that helps to make germination even better is to pop those seeds in the freezer for a couple of weeks prior to sowing them. Can you explain the process for that, Lisa? Sure. So we like to store our seeds in airtight containers that can be Ziploc bags, glass jars, plastic containers. Um, I prefer 
because of the volume that we do, we often use very large Ziploc bags. So I, I want to store my seeds. So we get our container, we put our seed packets in it. Then we add what is called a desiccant packet, which actually absorbs any residual moisture or humidity that might be in that bag. We put the seeds in, we put the desiccant in, we seal the container, and then we lay it on a counter for at least 48 hours so the desiccant can do its work. Then we pop them into the freezer. Right. And then can you describe the process when they come out of the freezer also? Sure. So when we are going to sow seeds, we have to remember to take the seeds out of the freezer a couple of days before we need them. We take that container out of the freezer without opening it lay it on the counter and let it thaw out and warm up to room temperature, which can create condensation. And you want it to stay sealed so that that desiccant again can do its work. Then you can open the package. Yes. So going from the dry, cold environment of that freezer to your warm, moist soil blocks or trays, whatever you're using, that's going to really tell the seed to wake up. It's time to break dormancy, and it's just going to encourage it to sprout and hopefully improve your germination. And like Lisa said, it's really important to let that desiccant sit in the airtight container with your seeds prior to putting it in the freezer, just so that it can absorb any excess moisture. Water takes up more volume in its frozen solid state than in its liquid one. And yep. if there's excess moisture in and around your seeds, the ice crystals that form can rupture cell membranes and that can actually damage your seeds and render them not yep. viable anymore. So you don't want that to happen. And then on the way out, Again, let that airtight container sit and acclimate and come to room temperature before opening it because it's a really cold object. There's warmer air in the room. And when that warm air hits the colder object, moisture is going to condense out. And we want that moisture to condense on the outside of our container, not on our seed packs, because any excess moisture that's hitting those seeds is just going to decrease their shelf life. And it can lead to things like mold growing on the seeds. So it's just important to try to keep that moisture out. Yep. All right, now we're going to talk about adjusting the conditions in your growing space to accommodate these cool flower seeds. So in the summertime, the warm season seeds that you're growing, they like a really warm to hot environment. Cool flowers tend to like warm soil, but they prefer cooler air. So let's talk about air temperature. What is the air temperature you keep in your grow room, Lisa, for your warm season seeds versus the cool? Sure. So for warm season we really shoot for 85 degrees and above. Um, and we're trying to create that warm environment, right? That they really love to grow in. When we start starting cool season seeds, we aim to have that air temperature 65 to 70 degrees. And this just brings out a great point that we, can, we don't start warm and cool at the same time. It just does not work. And if you do have a space where you're not able to cool down your room temperature, if it's a lot warmer than that, you may have to make some other adjustments, which will lead to our next point. So if you have a room temperature that's somewhere in the range, Lisa just described 65 to 70 degrees Fahrenheit, there's a little trick you can do with your heat mat that helps give these seeds a little boost of warmth, but not the full dose that our warm season seeds might enjoy. So how do you adjust the heat mat setup for these cool season seeds? Sure. So all seeds, in my experience, um, generally like consistent warmth. Um, and so seedling heat mats normally um, are a little bit warmer than what cool season seeds want, but yet they need that consistent warmer than air temperature. So we place cookie 
cooling racks on top of our heat mats and then put our trays on there. And that creates about a one inch airspace that keeps it warm, but not hot. Right. Okay. Okay, So put a cookie cooling rack on your heat mats, and then you'd put your seed trays on top of the cookie cooling racks. And that just helps create the perfect little boost in temperature without going too far because these are cool season seeds. They don't like it quite as warm as the warm season seeds would. And then there are a few cool flower seeds that do best when you maybe put them on the heat for 24 hours or so, but then you take them back off. What are some of those seeds? Sure. So, um, I think of instantly Ami Magus or any of the Amis. Um, Dawkus kind of follows this too. So we learned through being frustrated, we would put our Amis under these conditions on a cookie cooling rack and leave it on and we would leave it and leave it. And they just, we'd have such a low sprouting um, and they just would not get more and more sprouting. So we one day after you know leaving it on the heat mat for a couple of three days and it just was dismal um, beyond what I thought it should be. I just set it over on a shelf in the grow room um, and with no light, no heat, just put it out of the way because I was going to ditch it. And lo and behold, I forgot about it. And seven days later, I happened to notice and it was the tray literally had about you know, 100% germination. So what the practice that has led to is that we put it onto the cookie cooling racks um, on a heat mat for about 24 to 36 hours to kind of warm it up a little bit. It's almost like it wakes it up and starts it thinking about germinating. Then we remove it from the heat and set it over on a shelf. It is not under a grow light. It's just sitting in the, you know, a regular room um, and we get excellent germination. Yeah, that's a really great trick. And then if you have a room that is significantly warmer than what we're describing, you may need to experiment. If you're not getting the results, you're not getting good germination on all of your cool flower seeds, you might need to try eliminating the heat mat and seeing if that solves your problem. Right. Yeah. And, you know, the way that we control the the air temperature in our particular situation is during the warm season, my grow room door is kept closed. And then we have in that room, the heat mats are in there, the grow lights are in there and it's south facing. So it naturally gets warmer and there's no real air circulation. It's just the doors closed. When we start for cool, we leave the door open. The adjoining building that it's in is air conditioned. So that immediately provides us with that um, air temperature. Yeah. So just take your own room temperature, your growing conditions into account. And if you're not seeing the results you want, just know that the temperature is very often a problem with these cool flower seeds if you're not seeing the results you want. So you might have to adjust something. And I've mentioned before, my growing space gets really cool in the winter. So an adjustment I have to make at that point is putting the seeds, my cool flower seeds directly on the heat mat. So that's kind of a reverse process of what we're talking about now. Right. Okay. And then this is a tip that applies to any seeds, but it's always a good idea to use something to help retain moisture at the surface of the soil. So Lisa, you tend to use wide weave burlap for that purpose, but that's for cool and warm season seeds. Yeah, we prefer that because it allows air circulation and, but yet it traps the moisture on the surface, which is where we, I mean, we sow a good deal of our seeds on the surface of the block. So it really helps and aids in germination. And then as usual, you can remove your trays from the heat mats and remove the burlap. Once you see around 50% of the seeds showing some signs of germination, including cracking, and then make sure to get them under lights. Yes. 
All right, and then our last tip to get ready for your fall plantings is to make sure your beds will be prepared on time and to get all your other supplies ready. So your seed starting soil, your fertilizer, you can have your hoops and row covers ready. What else can you think of, Lisa? Yeah, um, hoops and row covers are something in the weight bags or something that I feel like people kind of forget about until an unexpected yeah. cold front is coming and they are totally worried about killing their transplants, which doesn't normally happen, by the way. But um, we always have enough row cover to cover our entire garden. Um, that way I don't feel vulnerable with that. Um, but yeah, to have enough seeds on hand, um, and to have your supplies ready to roll. And, you know, I would just want to also mention, if you're listening to this on a podcast, over on YouTube, you can actually watch the presentation. And there are some really beautiful images that Lane has selected. And um, seeing these beds um, with little transplants, that is, in fact, my most favorite stage of the garden. People think I live for the flowers, but I love it. I love newly made beds with lots of little lines of transplants lined up. It's pretty amazing. They are pretty cute. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, that was it for our little fall planting checklist. And I hope that everyone is going to be trying to fall plant some things. So thank you so much for joining us today and make sure to follow or subscribe so you won't miss any of our future episodes. And friends, we absolutely love it when you post a review, um, give us a rating, share it and like it. Um, and because all of that lets the platform know that you like it and they'll show it to other people. And if you don't even know what cool flowers are, we're talking about spring bloom. So you need to check it out and you can learn more over at thegardenersworkshop.com. Thanks, Lane, for a great show. Thank you. Ciao, everybody. Bye.